Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Business Matters live stream. I know I've had a, a couple weeks off, so I'm excited to be back at it this week. Uh, my name is Rob Capel. I'm VP Business Development at Now Media Group. Um, we're live streaming on Facebook and on Zoom. So if you have questions, do submit and we'll do our best to get uh, to them. Um, I'm happy today to welcome Tom Dias to Business Matters. Um, Tom is the president of TD Benefits uh, and is already people, mo- most people in the community know he's very active in the local community. Uh, and was also past president of the president of the Kona Chamber, which we'll talk a little bit about today as well. Uh, I'll do my best to kind of give the one sentence on TD benefits, but our, our Tom will do uh, will jump in and kind of expand on it. So TD benefits is proud to be a family-run business, which is awesome. It's something that I know a lot of people know that. Um, but it's been in business. We we're just talking about it this morning with Tom, thir- almost 35 years, um, which is which is great. That's a kudos to Tom and the team there for for being uh, in business for so long. So uh, I'm going to be quiet. Let's get started, and uh, uh, we'll get some questions. So Tom, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for thanks for having me today. No problem. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about TD Ben TD Benefits? And and like I said, it was very interesting to see last night. It was you know over 34 years in business, and it caught me off guard a bit. Looking at your age, you don't look like you'd be in business that long. So, so tell us a little bit about TD. Why it started, how it started, and and in what you guys do. Well, uh, TD Benefits is an insurance brokerage company. Um, I initially started out in the insurance industry um, about 35 years ago now, mm-hmm. and when there was a decision that um, I had to make initially at one point in time on whether or not we would, you know, generalize in kind of all areas of insurance and investments, or whether we would look at um, focusing and specializing specializing in in certain areas. And when we started out, we were dealing with all, all forms of insurance coverage, um, assets, and uh, you know, trying to deal with all of those for our clients. And a little ways through, um, we made a decision to focus mainly in the areas of group benefits and group pensions. And uh, even though we have all our licenses for all of our other products, we focus on those specific areas. Um, we manage the benefit programs, the association benefit program for the Chamber of Commerce. And that's uh, initially what brought me up here in 1996 so that we manage that block of business. And over the years, um, we um, have a client base. We've been able to establish a client base of over a thousand businesses that we, uh, we do um, their benefits and their pensions for. And those businesses range in size of having clients of one, two, three employees up to three, four hundred employees. So there's a, a large variety of them and it's uh, our responsibility to make sure that all of those individuals are uh, taken care of to the best of our ability. So do you, do you have to be part of the chamber in order to work with TD Benefits or can I come direct to you as a, as a business owner? No, we, we have brokerage licenses with all of the, all of the different insurance carriers. 
So it is just one of those programs that we administer on behalf of the association. Okay. So whether it be you know the Manulife or the Sunlife or any of the other any of the other carriers, we can deal with those independently outside of that. But uh, specifically, we we do our best to manage that uh, that large block um, of association plans, um, health and dental plans through the Chamber of Commerce. So you probably get this question a lot when you're when you're out talking to business, especially new ones. Is if someone asked you what makes you different than a competitor in the market, you know, I, I always say what's the. I, I use this analogy that you know you're in the 16th floor of a building. By the time you get to the lobby, you got to tell me what you do and why, and why should I choose you? So what's the elevator speech around? You know what what makes you different than your quote unquote competitors in the market? Um, the elevator speech would be along the lines of the length of time that we've been in business. Um, we're here. It is a, a family business, so it's going into a, a second generation. Um, and that's a, that's not always easy. Uh, it's a, it's, it's very, very difficult to kind of look at, at doing that. But um, luckily, my son Lyndon has been has worked wonderfully with it. And so that continues um, the access to all areas of the marketplace and not dependent upon one specific area at all, but then also having things like the ability to go to association plans. So for smaller businesses, let's say, if you have a, you know, a small firm and that firm happens to be three or four individuals and you have an employee potentially who has you know, diabetes or maybe an employee who has MS or has some other situation where it's going to look at, uh, you're going to incur substantial claims for them um, it can, those claims, if it ends up being your premium structure is based upon those claims that you incur, um, your premiums can get out of hand very quickly because there's a, a premium that is needed to cover those larger claims. And with pool programs, um, it's a joining of a bunch of businesses to offset those costs. So it allows for a greater stability for uh, those business owners. So we've just hit the 16th floor. I was gonna say that was a long elevator ride, but that's okay. <laughs> we had a lot of stops on the way, but um, so you've been, I mean, 35, almost 35 years in business, a lot has changed, obviously. So, and, and I think you've kind of answered a little bit sort of the diversity you have in your program. So how have you been able to adapt sort of your business over the last 35 years? Because the needs of businesses change or has, has it been the same? Has, have you seen a, not a lot of change in the industry the last I mean, 35 years, maybe the last 10 years or so forth. No, there's been a lot of change in regulation. I mean, regulation okay. is kind of, you know, with regards to privacy issues. Right. Um, I remember, you know, when I first started in this industry, a simple example is when we would look at a, a business and a company and you would go through the claims on the prescription drugs or on the dental claims that that company had incurred at one point in time it listed you know the claims that they had incurred but it also listed who had incurred those claims um, so that you know you were kind of be able to kind of deal with well maybe this individual has a situation that you kind of have to work with based upon the the drugs that they're using or things along those lines uh, What's happened now is all privacy has kind of come into play. So it's it's just a generic type of statement. You have to dig a little bit deeper to try to you know recognize those things within your company, and and that uh, allows for the efficiency of the company. Because if you're dealing with um, when we look at going through those renewals, if you're dealing with a business that's having a little bit of difficulty because there's a lot of uh, antidepressant drugs that's being used or other particular type of things, then you know that you know we needs to kind of come into play with um, 
with uh, more type of mental health programs right, to offset right. that. Um, and then the other thing is technology. Technology has just put it into a whole different where, you know, everything used to be on paper and now a lot of it is just sent through, you know, yeah. you can never do this when I started, that's for sure. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's funny you say that because I always say that people say there's more technology, less paper. And I look at my desk most days and I'm like, yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm not one of them, but but that makes well, sense. It's great. And I, I, one of the, one of the things that come out of COVID was, um, you know, for paperwork that we've been trying to do electronic signatures, uh, things that we've been trying to say, these are things that could be done and, and put into place. Um, and we've been working on them for years and they've been saying, well, we can't get to them. We can't get to them. We can't get to them. It was amazing how some of those changes came about very quickly within that 60 day period or still at this point in time. And some of those things were corrected that, um, you know, that, uh, that they just couldn't get around to at other times. Which is because I was going to, that was my next question. And, and, and I'd said earlier, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on sort of the COVID side, but, but, you know, I'm curious on how your business has changed over the last three or four months. And, and you've kind of, you talked about a little bit on, so, you know, electronic signatures and so forth, if you've adapted new ways. And the second part of that is how have you been able to uh, support local businesses? Cause you said you have, you know, a thousand files, is that if I, right. So how you talked to, you got the, the pulse of the business community. So how have you been able to shift and help those businesses during the last three months or four months or, you know, three months? Well, within our office here, we've, you know, I have been in here or somebody has been in here because we're able to, you know, space out a little bit um, all the way through um, every day pretty well for a certain number of hours to deal with uh, situations where people are trying to potentially still put claims through. The area that we have noticed, which has been substantial over the last few months, are um, EAP programs, which is employee assistance programs. We've had a lot of requests with regards to those EAP programs and how, in, how their employees can access them from home like this, for example, to help them through situations that they're encountering because of you know, their loss of employment or, or relationship issues that have happened because everything's gotten a lot tighter. Right. We've also had to deal with uh, um, a work with uh, Teladoc services, which is online physician services. Mm -hmm. So how that has come about in the last while and how that's grown has been amazing where you can have a conversation like this with a physician and if you know you potentially have a rash on your arm or have something or your child has something you're able to kind of view it online and 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 in a lot of those situations they're able to kind of recommend something and and, and put a prescription forth right at that point in time um the the other items that we have done is in areas of the health and uh, extended health and dental, there was an automatic reduction in all of those premiums pretty well across the board from all carriers, mm -hmm. simply because dental offices were closed. Right. Uh, so were physiotherapy, massage therapy, all of those. So it only made sense that there was a reduction in those premium costs. So to make sure that all firms were taking, um, you know, that was available to them as much as possible. So. And then what we were acquiring from, which I was surprised from businesses is, you know, how this is affecting you. The majority, I think to nobody's surprise, the majority of the effect was in the hospitality industry. Right. 
but when we looked at other areas, um, firms that we have, which are hardware stores, uh, were extremely busy. Um, firms that we had, which were in um, cannabis industries and things right. like that, were continuing to hire. So there was some that it affected immensely, and some that it, uh, you know, um, there was growth opportunities there too. Yeah, we're seeing that absolutely. There's, I just was on a, a webinar this morning about the different industries that have excelled during the pandemic, and obviously we know the ones that have struggled. So there's, there's, uh, there's both sides to it, and, and there's, and there's challenges in both as well, <laughs> yeah. right? So, yeah, um, you've been through downturns before. Being 35 plus years or almost 35 years in business, you've seen, you've seen downturns before. How, how is this one different for you though? Like, uh, can, can you know, obviously being through a pandemic is a little bit different than a, a financial crisis that we went through before. But how was this different for you than past ones? Uh, this one scared the heck out of me. I mean, you know, really when it first, I mean, we've been through situations, whether you look at, you know, 2007, 2008, uh, interest rates being higher, you know, uh, you know, uh, other type of things that have happened within within the world. And you tend to buckle down a little bit more and, uh, and get out there a little bit more and, and maybe see a few more people or, you know, start to call a few more people. In this situation, initially when it started, um, everything went into lockdown. And even after being in you know, business for the length of time that I've been in business and, and having that client base that has been there, it still, it still, it still scared me. Um, there was just great uncertainty of kind of what was happening and where it was going because as soon as, as, soon as you start to do some research on a pandemic, which you know, a hundred some odd years ago was kind of the last time that it ends up being, and you, and you kind of look at how that's affected, you tend to read into it that the worst is potentially going to happen. Right. Um, but as we moved slowly through it, um, you saw that there was, you know, there would be light at the end of the tunnel. It would just take a little bit of time to kind of work towards it. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that's the, the uncertain, you said that the word uncertainty, that's probably the most challenging part for as a business owner too, because you don't know, you don't know what, never mind next week, sometimes what tomorrow's going to bring, right? So, and you look in the U.S., had, you know, opened up, now they're closing back down. Like we, I think, you know, we're fortunate where we are that, you know, we, I think it's been handled a lot better. So we're, we're able to, like you said, you were in your office the whole time. You were able to do that. We were the same, but in some other parts of the world, you couldn't do that. You just couldn't because you well, don't know. And Toronto this morning is looking at discussing whether or not they're going to, you know, their, their city council is looking at uh, a mandatory requirement for masks. So I, I think that there is, we have to continue to move forward on this and, and we do continue right. to need to move forward. Um, we are in a position where we're a little bit luckier than certain parts of, of North America, definitely, yeah. and, and the world. Um, but we don't, uh, I think if we go through it again and there is more, you know, if we get a second wave on this, it'll be addressed a little bit differently. Um, you know, what, our, what, our, what our work week looks like. Do we kind mm -hmm. of you know, go to, I heard an interesting theory where we were looking at, somebody was saying that, you know what, if you go to kind of a four day work week, well, within those first four days, you know, it's, it's in its uh, period of incubation. So you're not really contagious. And then you kind of take the next, you know, mm -hmm. 10 and work differently and then go back into a, another four day cycle. So I think there'll be some uh, thought process and kind of what, uh, what it looks like moving forward. It won't, I think, come to a screaming halt like it, like it did in the past. Yeah, I would agree. How was it? It's interesting. I, I just thought of it as you're speaking. How was the work from home model 
affected anything what you're doing in a sense of like you supporting clients with benefits and so forth does that change like do, do companies need to look at something differently if they have a workforce that's partly at home than and not like is there anything there that that you've had to address with your clients well the from the one thing that came about was the wcb thing um when you're looking at what disabilities would kind of come into play um is there a situation where somebody has taken a look at your work area and said that it is actually safe to work in um you know what's what kind of what you're doing so that was one that there was a little an area that had to be kind of discussed the other piece that comes into play um was there are kind of mandatory mandatory hours to look at uh, working in order to kind of continue with benefit programs well right at this point in time during covid all carriers basically waived that and said, you know, that's as long as they're continuing to work from somewhere, we're not going to, you know, inquire anything more than that. But I think if it continues and there's more working from home, there will be, you know, when are you kind of logged onto a system and when are you logged off a system? And is that the item that kind of tracks your hours? Um, because I think a lot of working from home has become very project oriented, where if you know you have to do a project, you work on it for a couple of hours and then maybe, you know, go do something else within the house or go for a walk or do something else, then come back to the next project. So it'll be it'll be tracking those that time frame and and that technology is out there. There's a lot of companies that are doing it. It just may become a little more mainstream. Interesting. I told you the time was going to fly by. We're 20 minutes in already. So I want to switch a little bit of focus away from just the, the company side and more talk about your, yourself is, you know, one of the things that uh, I know part of your success is networking. Like, you, you, you know, you're, you're a lot of events, you're, you're involved a lot. How have you been able to fill that void over the last three months? Like, what have you done to stay connected with the community, connected with your clients, that networking side? Like, uh, what did that look like for you over the last couple of months? Yeah, it's it's tough, and I've had a, a a few discussions with a number of people who um, are social creatures, and I think yeah. all of us are to a great yeah. degree, where we crave just that interaction and having discussions with people. Um, what we have tried to do is, from a, a business standpoint, we've tried to uh, do some online uh, broadcast just so that we can communicate online. Internally, we've been sending more communications out to our clients just to let them know that we're here. So the it's still not fulfilling that social part of it. Um, but, uh, you know, the gatherings are much smaller. But uh, and now there are a number of businesses that are willing to kind of open up and allow you to come in and have meetings. So um, it's been like everyone else kind of doing our best to kind of get those areas and uh, and and fill that needs to have that social activity as much as possible. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I'm going to switch complete, whole different topic and talk a little bit about Moral Cup. Okay. I know you're very active in that, uh, bringing the cup here, being part of the committee. You know, it must have been. I couldn't even imagine the the blow that it was when when it came down that Moral Cup was cancelled. So can you just take us back a little bit? I don't know if you want to relive this, but if you take us back a little bit, it, like when the announcement came, like what what was the feeling? Like what what was going on with the committee and in your head after all the work you did, uh, you know, getting not you sort of the committee and the team had done sort of bringing it here. Oh, there was about a week of crying. I think that's <laughs> you know, kind of uh, kind of yeah. came into play. It was it was. Um, as you know, I, I made a commitment to, to do my best along with the committee and there was a fabulous committee to uh, 
to do what to do whatever we could to bring it here and to be as successful as as possible because there was um, a previous Memorial Cup here, which had just, you know, excited this community. So we we wanted to to match that bar and kind of get on the other side of it. Um, I think the devastation really came to us and the reality came into play when that NBA game was canceled. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was, we had had some discussions a few weeks before that. I had did discussions with Bruce and, and, and Gavin and, uh, and Jill and uh, Renata and other individuals that were kind of uh, working with us that there was potential that this may come about. And then those discussions went to the CHL and, you know, there was a lot of doubt since the, you know, the Memorial Cup has for the hundred and hundred and this would have been the hundred and second. So the 102 years, it's always been delivered. So, you know, there was things that we'd still be able to find a way to do this. Right. When it actually physically happened that we knew that we had to cancel it, yeah, it was it was pretty sad. It was it was extremely, extremely sad for a lot of people. Um, and I think because of everything else going on at that point in time, when you're looking at all of these major sporting events and so many things being canceled, we were all kind of asking, where are we at? I mean, you know, where, you know, what's what's truly happening with this pandemic? So is there is there and it might be too early or maybe there's been no discussion because, you know, we've been now listening to hearing like the NBA coming back the NHL coming back, whatever, we don't even know. I mean, who knows, but has there been discussion about what next, like with the Moral Cup specifically? Is Kelowna has to go back in the queue again? Is there is an opportunity to host because you were winning bid? Is, is there been any of that discussion or is it just too early to, to actually even have any of those discussions? In, in having some discussions with, uh, you know, a little bit of discussions with regards to Bruce and, 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 and Gavin and their discussions with the WHL and the CHL, um, their concern right now is really what next year is going to look like and what um, the year after that is going to look like. How many individuals are you going to be able to have within an arena facility? What's their schedule going to look like? Um, the CHL was amazing through this whole process and uh, and said that those would be things that would we would have a discussion about in the future. Uh, but I, I know that next year the Memorial Cup will be held in Ontario and the year after that it will be held in Quebec. Okay. So if it is entertained, uh, or it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be held, uh, you know, out east. Right. anyways. And so if it is entertained, it would be looked at in 2003. And there's been some preliminary discussion around it. But, um, but I, I know that they're just consumed with what next year is going to look like for them, because I don't even think last conversation I had, I don't even think they had confirmed whether it is in uh, Oshawa or the Sioux next year. And those are the two places where it potentially would be. Well, you would think that they're in a tough situation as well, like just starting the season, because it's not like NBA where there's these massive TV contracts where there's revenue coming in. If you can't put people in the stands, a, a local team, how are you supposed to even pay the bills right so i get there's a lot there than just your professional nba nhl sports a lot different beast yeah i think they had they had their meetings the whl had their meetings and uh, you know they report through to the the chl and, and uh, uh bruce and ron and ron robinson uh you know commissioner of the um of the whl i think when they come out of those meetings they had said that you know their their spot is kind of about 50 percent of of people in the seats that right. they need to do because you know, Kelowna is one franchise, but there's, you know, 22 yeah. other franchises throughout the Western Hockey League that are a little bit different than yep. potentially what this franchise is like. And, uh, 
and and some of them are a little bit closer to the bone but at the same time a lot of these franchises are owned by you know other kind of corporations yeah. and things along those lines now um i think i think the hamiltons is pretty well almost the only one of the only ones that's owned on a, as a family type business right interesting um as we wrap up I, there's a there's a lot five five or so minutes i did want to talk a little bit about colin chamber i just said you know you're you're president i believe for two terms is that right yes okay if, if you could pick one thing out of that that really stands out to you that you accomplished during your your terms as president of the chamber is there something that really stands out for you is there something you're like i'm i'm so proud of this one thing that we were able to do uh while i was uh, president of the chamber um i i mean i really enjoyed my time at, at the yeah. chamber of commerce i was there for about 10 years um you know being directors and kind of working my way through a director and then eventually becoming president and one of the areas that i really enjoyed or i enjoyed the most is the advocacy work mm -hmm. is the policy work and um and the reason why it was one of the things that i enjoyed is because on a number of the policies that we worked on, um, evasive mussel species, uh, right. interprovincial transfer of, of wine, we worked on, uh, you know, reducing the property transfer tax. Um, we were working on uh, um, physician extenders, you know, so that basically how, how nurses can kind of fill those roles so that uh, physicians can see more individuals. It was the, it was the meeting of the different bodies or the different individuals who knew um, knew some of these answers and knew what needed to go into this policy um, and knew how to kind of help us word this policy. So what I really remember, what I really enjoy a lot from the Chamber of Commerce was um, those groups of individuals getting together and discussing things and having enough people around the table to kind of make sense of, you know, what potentially what direction they should go. Um, with those policies and how those policies should be shaped, how they should be worded, and then uh, moving them through the system so that if it became a provincial policy or a federal policy, and then going to those events at that year and seeing that policy move forward. So it potentially became some form of tax law or some form of criminal law because there was right. oh, whatever. So that part of it, um, I mean, as, as silly as it is, advocacy work and kind of along those lines, but it was one of the things that will always stand out for me. Um, those successes that, that came into play were, uh, were, were great feelings because there, you know, a number of them are still being worked on. A number of them are still, you know, not completely resolved, but um, it was nice when you start on the, on the, on the ground of, of working that paperwork and then kind of seeing how it works its way through the system and what it looks like when it comes, you know, when it, when it works its way out. Yeah, no, it's, it, it must be fulfilling for sure. When you can see that sort of stuff come, come to life, that's the, that's the important part, right? Too. So, so what's, what, is there anything else in sort of the agenda for you now that you're, uh, is there other nonprofit groups that you're working with? Is, is there something that's sort of near and dear that you've been working with lately? Uh, well, I sit on the uh, CAC board, uh, Child Advocacy Board, and uh, and so we just had a board meeting yesterday. And there is initiatives. Um, you know, we uh, uh, are working towards a number of initiatives there. Um, I'm on the fundraising committee. So one of the things that we want to do is look at uh, building that center. Um, and it's been amazing. There'll be some statistics coming out in the next little while um, with that uh, operation, which has been operational for, you know, truly operational for about six months now, um, the demand that is required for that, for that center um and you know what what that center is accomplishing so 
that is, you know, near and dear to my heart to try to look at um, getting that center so that it's uh, it's self-sustaining. Um, it's, you know, through different type of, they, they do the grant applications and they do the grant fundings, but if we can kind of look at doing other fundraising initiatives to kind of build it so that they can uh, introduce and continue to introduce to have to make it a success and also uh, deal with uh, covering off all of their operational costs so that they're here for you know a long period of time because it is just pulling together interior health the rcmp all of those individuals so that they can uh, deal with you know situations of abuse for at this point in time it's uh, 10 years and younger individuals so that's uh, you know that, that's what i'm working uh, that's one of the committees i'm working with right at the moment yeah, we've been fortunate enough to be involved and had the tour and talked to the team. And it's amazing what they're doing there. So I'm I'm with you 100%. Like if that's that's a, a group that we should all be supporting because it's so important to work with the kids that are under 10 and under because that's where a lot of fundamentals start. And and yeah, so it's great. What they're doing there is amazing. So kudos to you to be working with that team as well. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, there's, you know, I'm no expert in that. So, you know, with without any doubt, but I do believe that, you know, some of the things that happen and continue through life there's a core element of it that potentially starts at that period of time do everything that i'm informed of you know and read about so yeah if we can you know move that dial a little bit it's it's definitely a, a good thing to do that so we've jumped around a lot in the last half hour but there's one last thing i need to ask you and i kind of told you before i was going to ask this so i've been looking through your linkedin profile and i see the executive chef at delta hotel and resorts and i'm like I had to do a triple take, never mind a double take. What's the story there? You, you used to be an executive chef? Yeah, I, um, well, I grew up in Toronto, so or just outside Toronto. So I uh, went to George Brown and Ryerson because when I started, I wanted to manage hotels. That was you know, what I kind of went through. And, and part of managing hotels was you learn uh, the culinary arts, mixology and you know business and, and all of that. So I, um, a friend of mine, when we were going to the culinary thing said, well, let's do the apprenticeship. Let's do the chef's apprenticeship. So I did the apprenticeship at Moven Pick Restaurant and, uh, and Four Seasons in, in Toronto and uh, continued to work through different areas uh, of that field and then got asked to come out to Expo in 86 mm -hmm. as the executive sous chef of the Ontario Pavilion and worked at the Ontario Canadian Pavilion. Then Delta Hotels picked me up as uh, their executive chef and then shortly after that life changed direction and i went into you know finance and, and insurance but uh yeah it's it's where initially i wanted to go it's a it's a beautiful career it has a great romance about it mm -hmm. the negative to it is that i was probably working especially in management 80 some odd hours a week and uh so when you're working every holiday and everything else and you're starting to have a family it uh, just is a discussion that you have to have I would actually got me thinking, is there anything else that we might not know about you that's not on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Tom. Uh, it's been uh, a great chatting with you. Is there, I know we jumped around a little bit, and uh, but I wanted to, you know, you got a diverse background and I wanted to cover all the different areas, not only your business, but your community involvement. And, and I know your Kelowna is, you know, near and dear to you and you work hard to, to help always wave the flag. So it's, uh, you know, we thank you for that for sure. So and thank you for joining us this morning. So. Rob, thank you. And thank you. Uh, thanks, Business Matters. I've enjoyed watching them uh, over the last number of months. You've been doing a great job at it. So I, appreciate work. I thank you.
Well, thank you, Tom, for joining us. Um, you know, as I, we always, these, these recordings are available on Facebook um, as well. So um, please go and, you know, watch it and share it, uh, if you will, and reach out if there's any questions that we didn't get to that, you know, Tom uh, can answer for you. Just reach out and I'm sure Tom would love to connect with you guys too as well. So, so have a great rest of your day. Hopefully we'll get some sun uh, in the next few days. And uh, thank you for tuning into Business Matters. Thanks, Thanks. Rob. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.